Lacrosse All-Stars presents In Your Face LaxCast. Unfiltered opinions on the most controversial topics in the game of lacrosse. I'm Ryan Danahy, former Division I college and pro player and Division I college coach, currently living and coaching in the city of Philadelphia. I'm joined with my co-host, Andy Towers, the legend, former Division I college head coach, MLL All-Star, three-time All-American, and arguably the best to ever play the midfield position. Each show, we dive into the world of lacrosse from high school, college, to pro, as well as bring on special guests. You can subscribe to us via iTunes and check us out on Twitter at InYourFaceLax for more information. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to our second show. Uh, we're not going to have a guest this week. Instead, we're going to talk about early to Warton finalist candidates and early snubs. And we're going to do our picks for the weeks, keeping this show pretty short uh, for the listeners um, this week. So, AT, let's jump right into it. Uh, I have, I'm pretty opinionated on my Tawarton finalists. You're pretty opinionated uh, on everything, Ryan. Let's not dress it up. <laughs> I, um, I, I just feel like... It's already going to happen. I feel like it's going to happen in terms of this is going to get very political. Now, I have a quick question for you, though, AT. Yeah. When it comes down to, to Warton finalists, is it an award given to a player's performance that year, or is it career kind of sprinkled in a little bit? I, I personally think it should be an award that represents only that year. Um, but I, obviously everybody knows the politics surrounding the sport and everything else in the entire world. <laughs> so it's uh, why should lacrosse be anything different than every other thing in the world? It shouldn't. Um, but I, I believe that the award should be a representation of only what the players did that season. But I have a feeling that when the voters are behind closed doors, they are, you know, taking everything, probably an entire body of work out of a guy's career. If you get a guy that's, you know, very comparable and one career is better than another career, but he may not have had, you know, quite as great a season, I could see some voters voting for the guy that was a three or four year stud, even if in his last year, he wasn't quite the same, you know, didn't, didn't dominate the game quite the same level. Um, my, uh, my first thought is, I forget, it was 10, 9, I love 10, 11. 10's a number I want to climb, climb next to a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was uh, uh, Max Siebold winning the tour time. Yeah. When you and I have talked about this numerous times, I felt like there was – no other person more deserving of the tour time John that Glenn. year, John Glenn. Yep. And anyone that can go, and I'm going to exaggerate on his stats right now, of course. That's what I do. Anyone can go 75% at the face-off X. Yeah. Then 
game change. Like he, a rule was created because of him. Yep. A rule was created because of him. Yep. Then go on the offensive end, score three goals, and then go on the defensive end and shut down, you know, and be a shutdown defensive midfielder. He wasn't like a complete shutdown defensive midfielder, but man, they were not worried when he was an offensive player on the defense. No, he, he was the most dangerous offensive player. I mean, athletically, he 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 wasn't Maxi Bold. Max was in a, a whole oh different echelon not even, not athletically. Right. Uh, you know, no one was close to him athletically, and maybe I, no one ever will be. I mean, he's just a free. He's a com- slightly. Yeah, NFL he was certainly style. an athletic aberration in a sport where the athletes are only getting way and way better. As, sure. as time evolves and, you know, the sport continue, continues to spread across, you know, the country and, and other countries, uh, you know, but as a lacrosse player, John Glenn was absolutely, in my opinion, as well, the best lacrosse player in the country that, that year. year. Yes. That year. Yes. It was, it was impressive. So, you know, my next question to you, AT, is like Lyle Thompson, when he won it in his senior year, there was no doubt I thought, you know, I thought he should have won it, or he he ended up winning it the year prior with the tie with his his brother. If did he, you know, if if he didn't have nearly, his, I mean, he ended up. Remember at the beginning of the season, they're like, "Oh no, is Lyle going to make it?" You know what I mean? Is he going to do it again? You know, everyone was really worried, and then he blew it up, and so we didn't really have to worry. I, I personally thought he should have been tour time final uh, winner, uh, but if he didn't have the season that he did, and he didn't break, you know the sound barrier and speed of light uh, by the most points in NCAA history. Would you have still voted for him for the tour time? You know, again, I'm, I, I, I would vote if I had a vote. I, I would vote for who had the best season, uh, which is different than the best player. Um, right. You know, right. and, and so that's, that's, that's the way I would vote. If it was a tie, I would vote on who I thought was the best overall player. You know, okay. if somebody came out of nowhere, for instance, and, you know, clearly Lyle Thompson having the career that he had as, I think, the best attackman to ever play college across, I think that if somebody else had come out and had a season that was better than his, his senior year, I would vote for the kid that had the better season. If it was right. Ty, I'd vote for Lyle Thompson, who had the better career. Right. I would. I see. So let's get into this year. Um, I'm going to start eliminating I'm going to start eliminating. And the first group that I'm going to eliminate, you're going to be pissed off. The ACC? (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, no. We're not going to eliminate. We're going to eliminate an entire position. Okay. So guys like Will Gerald, Luke Palmadesso, Trevor Baptiste, Ben Williams, and Santaco. That's irresponsible, Ryan. They're all getting axed out of my list. Of top and now we we've got to we've got to limit this list to top five. So I'm eliminating the faceoff guys, and and not to say that they don't ever deserve to be in it. I think that certainly Trevor Baptiste had every right to be in the conversation last year when they went to the national championship and won it. Uh, that he really was the best player in the country. You know where given. you know where he you know where he would have been if he did what he did at the X and was scoring three points a game. You know, if he did that, they play 15 like games. Like someone I'm talking to? Points. <laughs> like well, someone I'm I mean, talking uh, to? You know, look at Doug Shanahan. Look at, you know, yep. the yep. guys that win 70% or close to it and put up those kind of numbers, to me, then it's an absolute no-brainer that it's Trevor Baptiste. Yep. You know, he, 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 he he's perhaps that team's most valuable player. I mean, he, he might be. Yeah. And... 
I would say that Ben Williams is Syracuse's most yep. valuable player. Yep. But I understand why you would eliminate them from top five player consideration. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's irresponsible to say that at this point. I, I have to do it. It's too early, way too early towards on finalist picks. So you bring up an interesting point too, AT, is, you know, so these guys do one thing really good. Right? Or, really, or really, really well. well. Isn't that really grad? Yeah. <laughs> God, I'm so bad today. <laughs> oh, 10 and really good. Yeah. Ugh, Baby steps. Disgusting. You'll be there by the end of the podcast. Dude. Disgusting. No. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a sick recovery on this. Uh, so, go 100% of the way. Go 100% yeah. the rest of the way. That's great. <laughs> Got to have goals. Uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, they do one thing really well, and they face off. Now, you look at some of the attackmen. I mean, it's not like they're playing defense. They do one thing really well, and that is put the ball in the net, right? And so in the, the argument cases. is, you know, you judge a faceoff guy differently than you would judge an attackman, differently than you would judge a midfielder. But now I'm going to bring up another position. You're going to judge a long stick midfielder differently too. All of a sudden, you're not going to say Bobby Sch- or Bobby Schmidt's a different different scenario Lark now. Kemp. Yeah, Larkin Kemp. I was trying to avoid Larkin Kemp because I'm going to get into him in a second. But, you know, you got the Poles out there who, like the Pellegrinos of the world, he's an incredible defensive long stick mid- midfielder, but he's not going to be even close to the Tuarton because he doesn't score any goals. So, like, you're, well, he's not you're a first team All American. There, okay, that's it's fair not. too. Are any of those guys first team All American? Those face off. Uh, Larkin Kemp is a first team All American. Well, no, no, no. Uh, face off guys. Let's go back. Let's go back. Trevor Baptiste is a first team All American, no question. Okay. All right. So now I'm going to I'm going to eliminate I'm going to eliminate now about a long list of guys. You ready for this AT? Mhm. Guys, I'm I'm uh I'm getting rid of Pontrello, Carolina. Devin Dwyer, Harvard. Nah, you can't do that quite yet. Well, I'm going to give you your chance to talk in a second. All right. Larkin Kemp, I'm getting rid of and I knew you get pissed off. Foolish. Michael Quinn I'm getting rid of. Foolish. Sergio Perkovic. Foolish first team All-American. Demer Class, I'm getting rid of. Agree. <laughs> I think Demer is awesome, by the Listen, way. Listen, he's awesome, but he's he's, awesome. he's I don't know. Well, if I'll he's... keep going. I'll Go keep ahead. going. Because you're because you're gonna you're gonna keep going. You're gonna you're Miles Jones, I'm getting rid of. Oh my goodness. I think you could that all right, keep going. <laughs> Tyler White, I'm getting rid of. Right. Jack Kelly, I'm getting rid of. Mm, Josh Byrne. Josh Byrne, I'm getting rid of. I don't disagree with that. Sam Linares, I'm getting rid of. Agree. And Dylan Donahue, I'm getting rid of. <laughs> Good thing you didn't say Malloy. That was close. <laughs> <laughs> my top five, and here they are, AT. All right. My top five. These are my five finalists. And it's all too early, right? So we're, we're only, what, three, four weeks into the season? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do it in the order in which I think they're going to win. Not Number necessarily one. in the order that you agree. Correct, with, correct. Which I think. you think yes, are the, are, okay. Yes. So number five on the list is Matt Landis. Okay. Defenseman, Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. He's the least likely of the five candidates that I think are going to be finalists. Mm-hmm. Number four is going to be Ryan Brown. 
Okay. He's going to be the fourth least likely candidate for Tawartov. Number three, and this is where I think the voting is going to go. Number three, least likely, but third place, which is a really big honor. Your boy, Dylan Molloy. Mm-hmm. He's the third. Number two on the list, Matt Cavanaugh. He is runner-up to Wartown finalist. And numero uno, the number one guy, you know who it's going to be. Connor, Connor Canizaro. Canizaro. Yeah. That is where I think the Tawarton finalist, even as early as it is, A.T., is going to shape out in the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Where did I go wrong? I'm not sure you went wrong. You know, I think we said last podcast that both of us feel like there is a legitimate shot for Denver to go undefeated and win the national championship. I just don't He's eighth. You know, Carolina almost beat him, losing 75% of the faceoffs. So I think that they will get beat. I think, in fact, I'll go as far as to say, if they don't get beat during the regular season, I say they don't win the national championship. If they lose this weekend to Notre Dame or perhaps to Villanova, who could cause them problems based on the, the how that team is structured and how they play, um, you know, I could, I, I see them being able to use that uh, as fuel and as a learning experience to, to to win another national championship. If Connor Carazon, if they, if they go undefeated and win a national championship, or have one loss and win a national championship, and Connor Canizero, you know, is the best player on that team, I think that he deserves that award. So you know, obviously that's a big if. So I think that's I, I, I don't I necessarily think him, he I, has I to win it. it. I can see it being his award to lose. Now, if Duke does what Duke usually does, and that's go on a huge run and become relevant on Final Four weekend. And I believe that they very much have the capabilities of doing that. wouldn't surprise me even a little bit. And Miles Jones picks up speed and is putting up five points a game plus from the midfield. Yep. Then I can see him reemerge as a favorite for this award. So I, I don't agree with you getting rid of him. Early in the process, who do you do? Just, who do you get rid of if if you had to add Miles Jones? Who do you get? Rid I would of? say at this point, as much as I love his game, it would be Ryan Brown. Hopkins hasn't won enough games yet for him, even though he's, in my opinion, the best shooter in college across, and he's 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 one of the best shooters in the history of college across. I just don't think that your team can can lose, you know, some games. And still be a serious consideration for the award. If they were four and one or five and zero, and and in the top five in the country, and you know make it to Final Four weekend, which they still could. Let's let's sure. be realistic. They did last they year. Could. They yeah, did last they could year. for sure. You know, um, you know, then then he could reemerge. But if I had to pick one guy to take off the list, that would be the guy that I would take off the list right now. I think Tyler Landis absolutely should be in the equation. He's the best defenseman. He's had the best career out of all of the defensemen in the country. He plays for one of the best defenses and one of the very best, if not the best defensive coaches in, in Bernsey. Um, he absolutely should be there. If, if the playoffs happen and it's a bunch of single digit games, you know, nine eights and eight sevens and those type of games and Notre Dame goes on to win the national championship I could see Tyler Landis Matt deserve Landis, Matt that Landis? award. I could. Yeah. What's that? Is it Matt Landis? 
Matt Landis, I'm yeah. sorry. Um, Tyler's an insurance carrier. He's an insurance salesman <laughs> from Gary, Indiana. Um, no relation. No Not a regular cross player. Uh, Matt Landis, I can, I can see him, you know, being deserving of that award because it is, you know, going to be, he's going to be a huge role in, in, in that outcome. So I can see him bumping up. Dylan uh, Malloy is another one. You look at Brown, obviously I'm yeah. jaded, but yeah. Brown doesn't have an evident weakness right really, now. as really a true. They've got, I think, the best face-off group in the country. I'll say Trevor Baptiste, based on his body of work, is 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 probably the best X guy right now. He's proved it. But remember, when Will Garal went out there last year to play Denver, I think it was in the first round, I believe, or the quarters, I can't remember. Um, you know, he got the better of him at the X. And then when you factor in Alec Tullett and Larkin Kemp coming in from the wings, I think Brown has the best face-off group uh, of all of the schools out there. I think they have a top-five goalie. I've said it many times. I think Kelly's a top-five goalie. And then their attack might be the best attack in the entire country. You would say they lack a dominant midfield. Bailey Till's playing up top, I believe, and Caputo. Uh, and a, you know, Kyler I think that Bellistry or whatever his name is. Kyler Bellistry, I think he's starting on attack, but oh, I, I think that offensively, Brown, the lead in the country in scoring. You know, I don't think they've played an unbelievably tough schedule yet, so I think that's been part of it. But I think that their attack is is certainly in the conversation for the best attack in the country. You know, I'm concerned about a lockdown defenseman for them. But if the faceoff group is successful or continues to be successful at a 65% clip and their attack and their offense is, 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 it continues to play as efficiently as they've played, it, 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 it doesn't matter as much. A lot like Denver's defense. They've got some great individual defensemen. You know, they got the best defensive coach of all time in Bill Tierney. Yep. Uh, you know, but th- people don't talk about Denver's defense that much, and the reason they don't is because they're not playing that much defense. No, they, defense. You know, they win all the faceoffs, and they and they and they score on the offensive end, so you you don't really get to look at it too much. Right. So I can see Dylan Malloy if Brown makes it to the Final Four. I certainly get my vote. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but I, I think it's kind. Con- I think you're accurate. I think it's Connor Canizero's award to lose. I don't think Denver's going to lose more than two games the entire year. And if they win the national championship and Connor Canizero continues to, you know, be the main guy that makes everything work on that offensive end, hard to argue that he's not deserving of the award. Yeah. So I think it's a pretty responsible list. Good. Uh, I, I, I think you missed some guys. Who did I miss? I could see. Well, uh, Jake Fricaro would be a guy yeah, that I would I look at yeah. with the way that he's played. Villanova is a very scary team. Yeah. You know, you eliminated Luke Pomodesso with all the faceoff guys. If Luke Pomodesso can get the better of Trevor Baptiste in that game, I can see Villanova beating Denver. I can. Because they've got a unique offense that's tough to prepare for. They've got the stud player and Jake Fricaro that I don't think anybody can match up with. And uh, that's that's a dangerous team to play against i'm nervous when brown plays him in a couple of weeks you know um and so that's that's a guy devin dwyer i think is is playing like a first team all-american so far you know obviously the loss to bryant on tuesday night was was a tough loss not not that surprising you know easy for mike pressler to get his team jacked up to play the softies from the ivy league you you know what that 
pregame locker room, you know, yep. talk was about. Yep. And Harvard comes in after a huge win against Duke and three overtime victories. They're coming in at six or seven in the country, whatever, whatever they were ranked. And they were kind of ripe for that loss. But they're going to be back. And Devin Dwyer is, in my opinion, playing like a first-team All-American. He, he, he just is. So I don't think that you can take him out of the race. If they end up beating Harvard and they beat Yale or split with Yale and, and Harvard ends up you know, winning the Ivy League and they go on and they make it to the Final Four, I could see Devin Dwyer being in that conversation for winning this award. Yeah. You know, outside of those guys, I, I don't think you missed too many. I don't see... My, I mean, Miles Jones, obviously a stud midi. Perkovich, obviously a stud midi. You know, if Deemer Class is the third best midi, is he the third best midi in the country this year? It just, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, I, I just don't, I just don't know. Um, so I think, the, I think, I think he did a good job on that. Perfect. Well, we're going to be right back. We got picks of the week and we're going to finish off the show. Back to the last part of the show for this week. Easy one. This is my favorite part of the show. It is our picks for the week. We use the Lax Vegas Lines. It's a Twitter account at Lax Vegas Lines. They give lines on all the top 20 teams. And so we are going to use those lines to make our picks. It just makes them a lot funner. To funner. Use, so. 0 for 3, Ryan. Uh, funner. Yep. Yep. 0 for 3. I added that actually just because of the. <laughs> I think that's this a blatant so lie. <laughs> All right, let's start it up. Number 16, Friday night, tonight. Friday night, number 16, Rutgers. A pick em against number 20, Stony Brook. Who do you got, AT? Uh, Rutgers comes crashing down to earth, traveling to Long Island, waiting in traffic to get across the GW Bridge, only <laughs> to sit in more traffic on the LIE. <laughs> finally make it out for game time. How many subs God, can you have on the bus? I think too much. Oh, it smells like cold oh, cuts. So it smells like cold it, cuts that on the, is the bus. the worst trip. Old mustard and mayonnaise packets, packets everywhere. Oh, I got Stony God. Brook. I got Stony Brook because they're at home and they have a, a tough team to prepare. I don't think Stony Brook's going to lose until they play Albany, and I'm going to wait on that pick down the road. I just think that they are too scary of a team. And while Rutgers has had a great start to the season, 
I just don't know who Rutgers really is on the defensive end yet. I just uh, I, I I think Stony Brook's too much. I can see Stony Brook beating them by by I'm going to say three goals, and as a pick'em game, uh, I think that Stony Brook covers this one. What do you got? Yeah, I, I can't agree with you more. I got Stony Brook purely because let's just say Rutgers is the real deal. Let's just say they are legit. Uh, there's no way you're going to Stony Brook and beat them at home. Uh, it's very very difficult place to play. Uh, second game on the docket, number three, Syracuse at home, giving five and a half goals to St. John's. Who do you got? Brooks, St. John's had a valiant effort this week against Yale, and then Yale woke up in the third period and outscored them down the stretch of the game 13-1 to or whatever it was after getting <laughs> falling behind 7-1. I think that Syracuse up in the dome is going to cover five and a half against St. John's. I just don't see how St. John's can hang with Syracuse at all. I think they come into the game wide-eyed, and I don't think that St. John's comes into the game against Yale wide-eyed. I think the kids think that they're tougher and that they think they can beat Yale. I don't think they think they can beat Syracuse. And then you marry that up by playing in the dome, and the smoke comes out when they play this. Oh, no, that was the Gates. That's still obviously I've moved on. That, that hasn't left an imprint at all. <laughs> I got they played the gladiator uh, theme. They played the gladiator theme when I Mikey think, Powell the, came oh, out. I think they so played the was... omen when Gary and Paul Gate came out. You know, it was it was <laughs> devastating. Uh, I got I got Syracuse to cover five and a half against St. John's at home. I I have Syracuse covering five and a half again. The home team St. John's is is has struggled massively this year. Uh, I've got five and a half. I've got them probably beating them by more than six. Uh, number four, Yale going to Fairfield, Fairfield County. Yale is favored by four and a half goals. This is kind of an interesting game, I think. Um, but who do you got? AT? I got Yale. I mean, I realized that Fairfield after a slow start, just picked up a 13 to nine win over Georgetown. But what's Georgetown? Georgetown's one and four. And I've been, I've been touting Georgetown as a program that I believe in, as a program that is up and coming. And, you know, they they just haven't put it together. They had a they had a good win over Hofstra at Hofstra. And Kevin Warren is in a Hofstra alum, came in and, and got those guys dialed in to their credit. They beat Hofstra only to come back and lose to Fairfield. So I just I, – these teams do not like each other. Yale and Fairfield do not like each other. And even though it is a home game for Fairfield, I just don't think Fairfield's going to be able to score goals on Yale. And I think that they're going to have a tough time defending Yale. Uh, I can see Yale winning 10-2. to That's the type of result that I look for. So I got Yale covering this. Yeah, you probably even have the under on that. The under, the over-under on the game is 17 and a half. Definitely points. the under. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I probably have the under as well. I've got Yale. I do think that five goals is a little scary. Uh, having Yale cover. Um, but like you said, it could be eight, nine, ten. If not, I don't think Fairfield escapes this for the win, but I do have Yale covering that as well. Uh, number five, Brown, your boys going against Michigan, six and a half, <laughs> six and a half points. Look, look I love JP. I tweeted out that I love JP. I hated Michigan football <laughs> until Harbaugh got there. Now I like Michigan football. But it's really because I like Harbaugh more than I like Michigan. Uh, <laughs> but I think that Browns, again, uh, they're just they're too dominant in all areas in this game. Michigan yep. is is 
is up and coming. I mean, they're 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 playing better. They're getting closer than ever before. I think they're absolutely legitimate opponent now, where they they weren't. You know, over the first couple of years, uh, they became legitimate. I think last year, right after you left. Um, no offense, uh, <laughs> but I just think that this line is too low. Even though it's six and a half, I just see Brown dominating the middle of the field, scoring in transition. I think Michigan's defensive schemes are not what they need to be in order to hold down a team that has a dynamic offense in transition and in settled six-on-six like Brown when they ever get to six-on-six. I think the goalie Kelly is one of the best in the country, as I've said before. I just don't see Michigan being able to score more than about seven goals, and I can see Brown going over 20 on this. I think six and a half is a lot of goals, but I still think that Brown is going to beat him by 10. I think Brown puts over 20. On Michigan, and I don't think Michigan scores ten goals on them. That's what I think. So I got. Back. I have, I have Michigan covering. I think six and a half is a little deep. However, I will say this: I don't think there's a defenseman on Michigan that can stop Dylan Malloy. There's not a defenseman in the country that can stop Dylan Malloy. That is, that is, that is very, very true. Um, however, I do know Michigan, and I know that the number one priority for Michigan is to take away transition. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see a lot of zone in this game for Michigan. I, I see that's the only really way to keep this within a seven-goal win for yeah, you. Yeah, I could, I could see um, that. I could see that causing some discomfort and, for Brown, for sure. Yes. Um, so that's why I see this, because I do know that, you know, just from inside information, Michigan is deathly afraid, as of any other team, transition defense. It's the hardest thing to do on the lacrosse field. Um, especially against like a team. That away. Especially against a yes. team that the coaching staff and, you know, credit Lars, credit Sean – uh, you know, look, they turn these guys loose and they, they eliminate the dynamic of fear in their minds, which allow these guys to play loose. And that's what makes Brown really, really scary, you know, in an era where the offenses are micromanaged. You know, I, I definitely was a micromanager when I was coaching at, Brown, at, at Dartmouth and at Hartford. And, you know, you, you feel as a coach that you want to have total control. And, you know, the problem is when you take that approach, you make players play fearful of making mistakes. And, and when, and when you do that, I think that you hold teams back and, and I, you know, it's, it's Brown, Brown might be the most fun team to watch and the yeah. most scary team in transition of anybody out there. But I, I can see if Michigan's able to eliminate transition and can keep it a six on six game, you know, I could see how that would be their shot to cover this game, but I don't think it's going to happen. Number six, Towson, giving one to number 14, Johns Hopkins, at Homewood. You and I have both been big, big advocates for Sean Nattle and the job he's done in Towson all year long. I think this is a game that Hopkins comes out and they win. You know, I think that Mataraz is going to win the faceoffs. I know Hopkins' goalie is, is one of the stronger parts of their team this year. And while Towson has a phenomenal defense, and I see this being a low-scoring game, I just feel that the Johns Hopkins players feel they have more talent than Towson. And I think they're going to be up for this game. They need this game. You know, they can't, they can't afford another loss, um, you know, out of conference. And I think that they rise to the challenge. And I think that Dave P and, and Billy Dwan and Bobby Benson put together. I, I can see this being a 10-8 win for, for Hopkins. I got Hopkins to cover as the dog at home. I got I got Hopkins as well, um, although I do think Towson's a better team. I just think that 
They got a better defense. Luck is a, but uh, luck is luck is a bad word. But I just think that you know the streaks run out, and I think this is a streak. This is Towson's streak to run out here. I, I, uh, I, I've got Hopkins covering. Uh, I, I do like Towson's defense. It is a defense that will give Hopkins trouble. Trouble, but I but I do think Hopkins covers this one. And like you said, uh, they obviously win. It's a one point game, so they win. Uh, number seven, Harvard giving three against Penn State. At Penn State, this is the biggest trap bet game I've ever seen in my life. You know, you if, if Harvard hadn't lost to Bryant, I would take Penn State to win this game. I think the loss to Bryant on Tuesday night is going to light enough of a fire under Harvard so that Harvard wins this game. But I don't see them covering three goals against Penn State on the road. I think the game's played at 10 a.m. in the morning, which is a little odd. Um, I just, I see Harvard winning the game, but I, I don't see them covering. So I got Penn State in this game. There are sirens in New Canaan. That's incredible. <laughs> there are. The fake wood paneling fell off of somebody's suburban. So there's been 911 calls all over the place. What are they going to do? You can't drive through the town of New Canaan if your fake wood paneling is not on the side of your suburban. I mean, take me out back and shoot me in the head. Shoot. Unreal. Oh, man. I, uh, I... I actually have Harvard covering this weirdly. I, I agree, actually. Everything you said, I agree with. But I, uh, I'm picking Harvard. I, I just feel like Penn State is a team that we're just not sure. Listen, here's why I'm picking Harvard. Penn State cannot save the ball. They're going to see upwards of 50 shots in this game. Yep. And a lot of them are going to go in. Um, so I've got, I've got Harvard on this. I am a little worried in the cover in terms of three away, but I, I don't think the Penn state faceoff guy is pretty good. I, I just, Penn state's going like to win. Penn state's going to win the faceoffs. Harvard's getting murdered at the X, you know, an interesting subplot to this game, sorry to interrupt you, but an interesting yeah. subplot to this game, which, which I didn't think about is the fact that, you know, nobody knows Jeff Tambroni better than Ben. And, sure. you know, that may be. Uh, an area that allow obviously that's going to be an advantage for Harvard coming into the game. It's not going to be an exactly. advantage for for Penn State. Um, it kind of gets me rethinking that a little bit, but I'll, I'll stick with my pick. I still <laughs> no, you have to stick. You already yeah. said it. You already made an argument. Uh, Loyola at home versus Duke. Duke two goal two uh, two losses in a row. Who you got? It's a pick them game. This is this is a really tough game. I mean, the fact that yeah. it's at Loyola, Loyola. You know, uh, it got brought down. It's going to be packed stadium. It's going to be packed Packed stadium. I just see that Duke is, it's on its heels. But this is the type of game that Duke wins. And they come back and they play play a good game. And is Kyle Rowe going to show up and win the faceoffs? I haven't heard much out of Savio at Loyola. Is he hurt? You know, I I think that faceoffs are going to be a key component to this. I think in the end, the difference in this game is that Duke's defense is not playing well. I, you know, they, they just are not getting it done. And I'm going to say in a pick em game at home, I'm going to say that Loyola wins this game. Uh, I've got the exact opposite. I, I, I went with your first train of thought, and this is the type of game Duke wins on the road. They get themselves back in, and they start winning more games. Yep. 
Um, I could see you it. Know, you you got to figure Monday night game, Tuesday off, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. They have three solid days to prepare. It's a light week. They're not, you know, for a tired team, I could actually even see them giving them two days off going Thursday, Friday for prep into this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I could see Duke winning. And I, and I do I, a pick them game. I've got, uh, I've got Duke. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go the other way. Uh, number 10, Carolina going to the zoo in Amherst, UMass giving four and a half points. Who you got? Listen, it's always tough to play at UMass. We've, we've talked about that earlier in earlier podcasts. I just think you got two teams going in totally different directions. You know, Greg Cannell, I think, is one of the very best coaches in, in college across. He would be a guy that, you know, I would have loved to play for. Uh, would love to have my son play for him. But I just think that they are in a tailspin. I mean, they're coming off two brutal losses to Brown and Albany. And you got Carolina playing the best game of the season in an overtime loss to Denver. I just think that Carolina now is going to uh, start to string together some wins, and I think that I think they've got momentum, and I think UMass is scratching its head and trying to figure out what do we do now. And even though it's played at home, I got Carolina covering four and a half against UMass. Yeah, I got Carolina winning by five. Uh, mm-hmm. I do have the same thing. Two different directions for both teams. Carolina definitely had their best game. I think they continue that streak. I do think that four and a half is actually a really good spread because it makes you think that UMass can pull it within four. Uh, but if I'm going to put my money, I'm going Carolina to win by five. Uh, number 11, Maryland going to Princeton. Mm. Maryland giving two. What do you got? I hope Princeton beats them. <laughs> you know, I just I, I worry about Princeton. I just don't know if they have enough players to do it. I think that they're going to get even with Zach Courier coming back, I think that they're going to get abused at the X. I think Hensington is going to is going to dominate possession time. I think that Princeton is going to really struggle to prevent Maryland from scoring. I think that Princeton's going to have a really, really tough time scoring on Maryland. I mean, I just, I just don't see how Princeton can score enough goals to be competitive in this game. I hope I'm wrong. I, I, I want to see. Princeton put it together. It'd be great for the Ivy League, but I just I just don't see them scoring more than five goals in this game. I really don't. And I can see Maryland scoring. I can see an 11-5 game, Maryland. Um, I, I got Maryland to cover, unfortunately. I got Princeton, and I got Princeton for a couple reasons. One, Zach Curry comes back, and you can believe me, the way Batesy was talking about the situation that happened at the end of the Hofstra game, that he was pissed. Yeah, and he felt like his player got screwed, and they walked into Hopkins and they got their asses kicked, and there's a like there's a massive difference when Zach Courier is a part of the Princeton program and when he's not a part of the Princeton program, mm-hmm. and we've experienced Ivy League teams. I mean, you got twelve guys, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen guys that compete with any team in the country. And you take one of your best players off, and all of a sudden you got to replace them with what? Uh, an investment banker, uh, <laughs> you know, a commercial real estate agent. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't do you well. But you can believe that Princeton's coming back. I've been a believer in Princeton since the start of the season. Yeah, you have, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say that Zach Curry coming back lights a fire under there. You know what? And I think that they cover i actually i know they'll cover i actually think they'll win the game so i got princeton i hope you're right 
Uh, next game up, num- number 12 Nova at home against Penn. This is a good one. This is going to be a great one. Every, every year, this game is unbelievable. From a few years back where Villanova, the player from Villanova, scored on like a 60-yard shot in the <laughs> game. I mean, right. are you kidding me? Uh, I think you're looking at, you know, two of the better coach teams in the country. Uh, you know, I think both of these coaches have done a really good job of making their respective programs a very scary opponent when they're playing against a top, you know, eight team. And I think that this game is going to be very, very close. Um, I just think that Villanova's faceoff guy, Palmadesso, is going to be totally dominant Too in much. this game. Penn yeah. struggling at that position. Uh, but I think that Penn will make up for some of it with the way that Reed Junkin is playing in the goal for Penn. Incredible. But I, but I just don't think that they're going to have an answer uh, for a very, very hot Villanova team. I just, I, I, I got, I got Villanova to win. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see this be a push at twelve ten, and see Villanova win. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, if I have to pick, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick Villanova. Uh, I'm going with Penn. Um, I, I just, I'm not sure about Villanova, although I am very, very sure of their faceoff guy. That is for sure. Uh, I, I got Penn, I got Penn covering and I actually have Penn winning. This is not a home game for Villanova. Uh, it's, it's, you know, as much as it is a home game, it's all these kids. I mean, Penn is recruiting right out of their backyard. Uh, I would say that more families are from the Pennsylvania mainline area than the kids in Villanova. This becomes a little bit of a homecoming for Penn. Uh, I, I don't think Fakaro is going to be as hot as he has. That's really the number one and the only you know, real option to have to sh- stop on the Villanova side. I think Penn's goalie is going to, you know, he's, he's very good. Um, he's a stud. He is. But like you said, the faceoff is going to be the difference. But do they have an answer for it? And if they're as well coached as you say, they might. So I got, uh, I got Villanova covering. Excuse me, I have Penn covering. I got Penn. Number 13, Hofstra at home on the island against number 19, Ohio State. Who do you got? Who are these teams? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got Hofstra knocking off Carolina, beating Princeton, you know, uh, not rising to the challenge against Georgetown. You, know, you got Ohio State coming into the season, you know, relatively highly ranked. They go up to UMass. They get beat 16 to nine and only to see UMass sort of fall off a cliff after that game. I, I literally have no clue. Um, I, I think that overall though, I think Hofstra has a better faceoff guy in Clark. I think Hofstra has a better one to score proven scoring punch in Lanier's and, and Josh Byrne. Is that what it is? Um, and I just, the games in long Island, you know, the referees in Long Island, if they can't screw Dartmouth, they're going to screw whoever's <laughs> Hofstra's playing. <laughs> so I, I'm going to I'm going to say that Hofstra covers at home, and I, I can see them winning, you know, thirteen to ten, something like that. Uh, I got the same thing. Uh, I got I got a Hofstra winning. I mean these these two teams are, you know, again, Hofstra's been a little hot more lately. Hofstra just had a loss. They're kind of similar programs in some ways. But, you know, two goals is a nice spread, but I would say that Hofstra, Hofstra wins at home. Number 17, Virginia, 
at Cornell giving one in Ithaca. Who do you got? You know, this is another this is another game between two traditional powerhouses that are seemingly fading into the sunset here. With that said, Virginia played its best game of the season in the loss against Syracuse last Friday night. And Cornell got their doors blown off by Albany. Well, I don't know if their doors blown off, but 12-8. Um, you know, the game is up in Ithaca. That's going to be worth, as we said before, three goals getting off the bus. So Virginia's down, down three, three zips. They're three they're down. Virginia's down three zip, changing into their uniforms. Um, but I just don't. I just don't see Cornell being able to. I don't think they win the middle of the field. Although, let's face it, I think Massimilian is going to win all the faceoffs in that game. Yep. And I think Virginia's defense is. Is 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 going to do an average job? I think Cornell will score some goals on them. Do they get to ten goals on Virginia? I don't know. You know, Matt Barrett's not playing well. I think he's a great goalie, but he's not playing well. You know, is this the game where he comes back and has fifteen saves and they hold Cornell to six goals? You know, Massimilian won all the faceoffs against Albany and they only put up eight goals. You know, um, I'm I'm going to take. Uh, I'm going to take I'm going to take Virginia to to win the game and cover one goal against Cornell. Do you have a bookie? You know, I, I mean, I you're really you're really thinking hard about this. It's like your money really is on the line, AT. I like <laughs> looking at you. We, if no one knows this, but we're on FaceTime right now. We can see each other, and you should see the steam coming out of his ears and his headphones thinking well, about these what? games as I've if he's putting like ten thousand dollars. I've been fortunate to play on the rusty red, which is a <laughs> Loose group of uh, very tight Cornell alums, about 75%, and then a sprinkling of randoms, of which we, my brother and I have been fortunate enough to play in some uh, with an Ivy League these guys. And, and they just, it just, the culture of the Cornell program is, is just so strong. And these guys play so hard. And they, it's almost like the Cornell team each year is playing for every player. That's played before them, and it just means wow. so much. Wow. But I'm just concerned about their offense having an identity that's going to allow them to score goals. I mean, if you, you got to believe it would be easier to score goals against Albany than it would be Virginia, just based on the personnel on the defensive end. Although Blaze Reardon is a stud, and Blaze Reardon I would take ahead of Barrett at this point, yep. particularly with the way he's played this season. Correct. So it pains me. To pick Virginia in the game, but I I just feel like Cornell until they until they prove they can score ten goals, I just I, I got to go with Virginia because I think Virginia is going to score ten goals. I think this is the breakout game for Cornell. I think this is it. I hope you're right. I, mean, I hope I you're right. This is it. Like you said, Virginia's down three goals, changing into their uniforms. Um, <laughs> right. I got Cornell. This is this is a home game. This is a big one. It's 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 going to be warm out up there. The kids come out. This is this is where Cornell shines. Massimilian is really good. Uh, he's definitely going to win the game. The uh, the faceoffs. Um, I, I don't. I just. I'm I'm still questioning Virginia and why they're even in the top twenty right now, uh, and why we're even talking about. This they shouldn't game. be. I mean, Virginia shouldn't be in the top twenty right not. now. So I got Cornell, and that should eliminate Virginia for sure in the top twenty. Uh, and 
finally put you know another Ivy League team probably in it. Uh, Boston University at home, number eighteen. Penn, if they win, yep. Penn That's, goes in. That if is they very win. true. Uh, number eighteen, Boston University at home with a pick'em against Colgate. This is a real interesting game in Boston. Colgate league game, league game for the Patriot League. Crazy yep. Patriot League. Who do you got, AP? Colgate needs to win this game, but I just think that Ryan Poley and his staff have done an awesome job of putting BU on the map. I think they come into the game at 5-1, and one, I believe, if, if, if I'm not mistaken. They're playing at home. They got a dominant face-off guy. They got a dominant player in Talco. I, I like BU. I like BU to win the game. Um, I can see it being uh, – it's going to be a close game yeah. because – you know, Mike Murphy gets his guys ready to play. He's done a really, really good job after taking over from Jim Nagel, you know, six, seven years ago. But I just think that BU is going to win the game. I think that they're playing well. They're believing in themselves. They've got a an X factor in, in Talco, who's, you know, probably wins, again, 70% of the faceoffs and probably has two points. And, and I can see him winning, you know, 11-8, something like that. I've got Colgate, and I only have Colgate. Uh, because I feel like Boston University really has it. This is this is where they prove themselves. Um, you know, they gave up a huge loss at home against Hartford. Um, and I and I'm not saying that these two games are going to be the same because it's a Patriot League contest, so it's going to be it's going to be a barn burner. Just like the Ivy League contests are always, you know, they're always legit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just got Colgate right now, uh, and I know Talco is going to win all the faceoffs. Uh, but this is a high pressured scenario for a young Boston University team. Can they actually get over that hump and put themselves in a position to win the games that they need to, which is this is one that sets them apart and puts them two and oh in the Patriot League and up the, the, the other the other factor is Carson Bannister's been playing really, really well. Saving save percentages is over fifty five percent. He's stepped up in these games and that's a devastating one two punch of Talco at the X Going over 65%. I don't know his exact numbers, but it seems like that. And the way Carson Bannister is playing, I just I think that's going to be too much. But you could be right. Never know. We'll see. Probably the national game of the week, no doubt, which is awesome. Uh, it's a 5.30 game on a Sunday, which I love how teams are starting to figure it out. It's like spread out your games, much like college right. football does. You get that random like Tuesday night game, college football. It's like, why? Well, you're watching it, aren't you? Um, so, uh, number two, Denver or number one, Denver at, uh, excuse me, number one, Notre Dame versus number two, Denver, Denver on these lines is favored by one away in Indiana. Who do you got AT? You know, you and I have both made it very clear that we think Denver is the front runner for winning the national championship. You know, they could very well do the entire village and, win everything um you know I, I i think though that denver coming off a close win over air force to start the season pulling out a gutsy win against north carolina last weekend um you know it's 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 the best matchup in all probability between the best defensive coordinator in the country and jerry Byrne against the best offensive coordinator in the country and matt brown but i think that they are playing at Notre Dame. You know, you come into the game, you're thinking that Trevor Baptiste is going to dominate the X, and that's exactly what I thought when Austin Hensington in Maryland played Notre Dame. In Maryland, you know, uh, they split the face off. Notre Dame, I think, was 9 for 17, so they won one more than Maryland did in that game. And so I believe that they are going to be able to neutralize Baptiste enough 
I think they're going to play better overall team defense. They're playing at home, and I think that Notre Dame wins this game. Uh, I see them covering, and I see them winning outright. Again, it's going to be a, I could see it 8-7. If it's, if it's single digits, Notre Dame wins the game. If it, if it's, uh, you know, if, 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 if over 20 goals are scored, and that's the over-under, I see, you know, I can see Denver, you know, winning a game. The higher it gets, the more Denver's apt to win the game, but I think it's going to be under 20 goals scored. I'm going to say that Notre Dame ends up winning 10-8, and, uh, and I think that that outcome may end up being the, the best thing for Denver's season as they look to win Bill Tierney his eighth national championship. So, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of lacrosse to be played, but I, I see Notre Dame covering this game. I got uh, I got Denver. I got Denver winning. I just I really don't see them losing. I, I don't for multiple different ways. And and here's the game too. I mean, watching the sidelines of this game with between Bill Tierney and Kevin Corrigan going at the refs. I mean, are they going to wear the size of the headphones that we're currently wearing right now over their heads during this? Um, <laughs> it's incredible. I think they should have to wear their school mascot heads <laughs> while they coach. <laughs> I mean, and then you see Coach Tierney and, and, and Coach Corrigan lose their minds down the stretch of these games. How hilarious would it be if they had huge mascot heads on as they lost their minds? Oh, my God. You know, Kevin with a huge leprechaun head on his head. Losing his mind on the sidelines of a one-goal game in the fourth quarter. His arms shaking you know, they everywhere. They make that a arms. pay-per-view. It definitely would be worth <laughs> the eighty-nine dollars that I pay for eleven seconds of, you know, watching McGregor get knocked out. $89. Thanks, man. Oh man. <laughs> well, it's a good segue since we're talking about mascot heads. Good segue into the in-your-face rock bottom bowl of the week. Speaking of mascot uh, heads, what do you got, ATA? You got the rock bottom bowl. What is it? The Rock Bottom Bowl. This week's Rock Bottom Bowl. We need a sponsor, by the way. We need a sponsor for this. The Rock Bottom Bowl is sponsored by, and then, I don't even know. Zika. (laughs) 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 Uh, Zika that you catch in Syria. You know, you don't even catch it locally. You catch it someplace like that, the West Bank or somewhere that nobody wants to go. Oh, my God. this week's this, this this week's rock bottom bowl is between Delaware at Binghamton. I hope it's gray and forty three and really 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 cold. Um, but that's that's the rock bottom bowl. And as a pick'em, Denver or, or Binghamton comes into the game zero and three. Delaware just got shills. Just turned Schultz's 300th career victory, which is an incredible milestone. It really is. Um, he's had a great career there. But I it think was a seven-six uh, win think, over Manhattan. Yeah, I I got I got Binghamton <laughs> in a pick'em at home. I was Delaware curious. The, I was and, curious in the RBB. I was like, is he going to the RBB? I uh, I was curious where you're going to go with that because I was like, are you going to set a line to that? And you were like, pick them. And I was like, I wonder if he was going to give anyone points in that. I game. think the Rock Bottom Bowl is has yeah, to be really a pick them. It should be. I've got uh, I've got Binghamton as well. It's at home, and that's the only reason why I'm picking Binghamton. Um, if it was in Delaware, I think the weather the weather bums out the Delaware players so much walking off the bus <laughs> that Binghamton. <laughs> 
Uh, that's it for the show today. Thank you for joining us. Check us out iTunes and check us out on Twitter at in your face lacks. We'll be back next week with a recap of this weekend with our picks. Um, stay tuned for more maximize your comfort until then. Thank you.